not every question rises to the level of an ultimate question. For example, if you go to a new place, maybe one of the questions that you might need to have answered is, where is the bathroom? And if you go to a foreign country, you might even go to the lengths of learning in that language how you ask that question. So you might learn the phrase, donde esta el baño? And maybe as you do language learning, that might actually be one of the, one of the first questions that you ever learn. But it's not an ultimate question. It might seem awful urgent at the time, even painful, but after you receive the answer to that question, you might come to the realization that it wasn't actually that life-changing or life-giving of an answer. And the truth is that we spend most of our times as adults asking what I'm going to call bathroom questions. Questions that are common, but they're really not life-changing in any kind of real way. You know, it's children who are actually asking the right questions, the ultimate questions in life. This last week, Taylor and I were going to school, and we were discussing Luther's small catechism like we often do on the way to school. And she asked me this question. She said, Daddy, was Jesus baptized or God? And I thought, what a precocious little question. She, she just cut right to the heart and core of the identity of Jesus and also the saving power of what we call baptism. And I actually don't think that Taylor's that unique for a little kid. You, you parents know this. So isn't it true that children are always asking the most penetrating ultimate kind of questions, the, the, the kind of questions that actually are life-changing and actually are life-giving. Adults only ask these kinds of questions when they have to, when they're forced to. And so it happened in Jesus' ministry that he became the catalyst for many people to ask what we would call not bathroom questions, but ultimate kind of questions. And so when Jesus was hanging on the cross, you remember this, right? There was someone hanging on another cross right next to him. And he asked what I'm calling an ultimate question. He said to Jesus, aren't you the Christ? That's an ultimate question because the answer to that question, as we see later in that story, is something that opens paradise. We're going to see in another couple of weeks a group of people called the Sadducees, and 
And Jesus is sort of kind of making them upset. And they ask, and I'm paraphrasing, they ask this question. They say, what is heaven going to be like, Jesus? And they wanted to trip him up. But the answer to that question is something that gives us true hope. The answer to that question is something that is absolutely life-changing because it gives us drive and purpose and inspiration for walking in the Christian faith. And today, and today we have another one of those kinds of questions. This is what the Jewish believers, and these are Jewish believers, mind you. They ask Jesus this question, albeit in anger. They say, how can you say that we shall be free? And the answer to that question, as we're going to see, the answer to that question is something that gives us true freedom forever? It is an ultimate question. So I'm going to ask you to please stand. We're going to read this gospel lesson together. We're going to hear this ultimate question and Jesus' response to it from John chapter 8. It's on page 11. To the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, if you hold my teaching, You are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave is no permanent place in the family but a son belongs to it forever. So, if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. This is the gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. I'm going to take it for granted that you actually want to be free. We're just going to go on that assumption that you actually want to be truly, indeed, free. And, and, I, and I think that's a safe assumption because so many people are filled with anxiety about the coming election. Isn't that true? I, I mean, Dunkin' Donuts says that Anxiety from the election is hurting its bottom line. And did you hear that less people, a lot less people are actually watching the NFL? The NFL says that it's because of, you got it, the election. People are worried, whether, whether you're Republican or Democrat or whatever political ideology that you have, people are worried, they're stressed out, why? Isn't it actually safe to assume that they feel like their freedoms might be threatened? Now, that's going to be our assumption as we start this this sermon today. The assumption is that you actually want to be free. If you want to be enslaved, fine. 
be enslaved. The sermon's not for you. But I'm going to assume that you actually want to be free here this morning. And we have to understand this. We're not the first culture or the first country to value freedom, even though it might be one of our core, core values. You actually have to go back, way back, and we could say that even the people of Jesus' day valued freedom. And so, Jesus taps into that anxiety that the people had about their freedom. And he says something that has become actually very famous. Here's what he says. And by the way, this is one of the only times that Jesus talks about freedom ever in his ministry. Here's what he says. If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. It's hard for me to think of another quote of Jesus that's been more abused than this quote. Go to, go to a university, any university really, and maybe you'll find it on their library. The truth will set you free. Or, try this. Go to a support group of addicts. Talk to your counselor. And what you'll find them quoting over and over again, even though they don't even realize it, is Jesus, and they say, the truth will set you free. In other words, if you admit your addiction, then you'll finally be truly free. But that isn't really what Jesus is talking about, is it? Jesus is challenging these Jewish believers to hold to the truth of his word, not to the knowledge of their addiction. And Jesus really, do you notice what Jesus is doing? He's goading them. He's trying to push them into asking a very important question. That's our question for today. Am I truly free? Are you truly free? And so it works. This is, they actually get angry at Jesus. They say this to him. They say, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Now, they react like any one of us would react to such an accusation that we're not actually free yet. They say, yes, we are. We are very free to do what we please. We've never been uh, slaves of anyone. And it, it, if you know Bible history, by the way, <laughs> they lied to themselves. They had been slaves a long time ago in Egypt, but not just then. They were actually living under the Roman government and were very persecuted for their faith. They are hardly free. But Jesus' goading worked because it led them to ask the question that we need to consider today. Are we truly free? And Jesus' answer is very simple and it's very direct. Here's what he says. I tell you the truth. 
This is one of those statements. Verily, verily. This is, this, is, this is something that you need to recognize and believe. Because this is true. I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. And that's a very all-inclusive statement, isn't it? In other words, are you truly free? The answer to that question is no. Because everyone, everyone is a slave to sin. If you think that you are free, Jesus says, you are under a powerful delusion. You are lying to yourself because you are not free. You are a slave to sin. What about you? Are you truly and utterly free? There, one answer to that question is say, yes, I am, I am very free. Here in the United States, we have the freedom of speech. So if I want to be a jerk to somebody, I can be. I'm, I'm free to do that, right? We have the freedom of expression. So we can, we can wear what we want. We can do what we want within limits. But we are, are very free. And so you could answer that question saying, yes, I am very free to do what I want. But consider this example for just a minute. Are you truly free? You might think, you know, I'm, I'm very free. This Saturday, if I want to, I can binge watch my favorite show on Netflix. I can watch hour after hour after hour after hour of television if I want. And I, and I actually never have to turn it off. That is how free I am. But are you really and truly free? Think about that. How free are you actually to turn it off? Isn't that the hardest thing in the world? Isn't it? These companies, these, these companies who stream to us media, they know how to enslave you. They've got it down to a science. In other words, Get rid of the credits. Isn't that what Netflix? Get rid of the credits. You don't even have to press play for the next episode. It'll just go right into it. They are geniuses at keeping you staring at a blinking screen for hour after hour after hour. And let me ask you this question then. How is it any different to stare at a screen like that and sitting in a jail cell. Are you truly free? The only thing, as Jesus says, you are free to do without limit is to indulge yourself. Or we could, let's just do another example for a second. How free are you to be truly generous with your money. I admit that you have bills to pay and you have to take care of your responsibilities and, and your debts and, and things like that. But 
what happens if you have a little bit extra? How free are you to give it away and not spend it on yourself? Isn't that the hardest thing in the world? That is not true freedom. To have to overcome obstacles and break out of the jail cell. We are still very much enslaved to ourselves. And that still is not yet true freedom. And these are just only two examples. But here's the worst part of this kind of slavery of, and breaking out of it. Jesus says this, Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family. In other words... You can self-indulge. You can decide, I'm not going to deny myself. I'm, not, I'm just going to keep on sinning and wasting my life in all these different ways. But it's all going to become crashing down because a person who is enslaved to sin doesn't have a permanent place in the family, Jesus says. We could compare it to this. We could compare it to this. Jumping out of a plane... And, and, and you're saying to yourself, wow, am I free. This is amazing. I can do anything that I want. This is true freedom. I'm as free as a bird. And then, splat. It's all over. And I'll tell you what. The worst kind of slavery is a freedom that ends in death. That's an ultimate kind of slavery. Are you truly free? Jesus continues and he says, So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. You think about that, that makes total sense. That if the son, the beloved son, goes to the father and says, you know, there's this slave, and I want to I set him free. I, I want to I pay his debts, her debts. I, I wanna, Dad, I want to set this person free, and I want to go more than that, not just set him free. I actually want to make him part of the family. Give him the same inheritance that I have. Give him everything that you would give to me. Make him a part of the family. Give him a permanent place. And that makes sense. If the son would go to the father who loves the son, that if the son would do that, then you would be truly free. And so really we have to change the question because Jesus says if the son sets you free you will be free indeed. So we're not going to ask the question anymore, are you truly free? We're going to ask this question, did the Son set you free? Because if the Son set you free, then you are free indeed. Did the Son set you free? Let's ask that question. Did He become incarnate for you? Did the Son live perfectly for you? Did the Son die a bloody death 
as a slave to make you part of the family? Did the Son adopt you into His family by the power of holy baptism? Has God, in Jesus' name, made you a son and daughter of Christ? Actually, we have to stop asking questions, don't we? And we have to turn it into a statement. Since the Son... Jesus Christ has set you free. You are free indeed. You truly are free. You are like birds that can soar. You have the run of the house. You have the riches of your Father. You have peace with God. You have everything that it means to be a son in the Father's house. You are truly and utterly and forever and irreversibly free because the Son has set you free. Don't abuse that freedom. You are truly free. Don't abuse that freedom. Don't abuse that freedom to waste your life in front of a blinking screen. Don't Abuse your freedom using your money just for yourself. Don't abuse your freedom. You truly are free. There's another side of that coin, too. Don't let anyone ever, no pope, no power, ever, ever take your freedom away. The Son died to win for you true freedom. Nobody can take it away from you. Don't let anyone take it away ever because that freedom has been won for you by people like St. Paul and St. James and Martin Luther and your moms and dads. This is the faith that has been given to you. This is a faith on which you have based your whole life, and your whole hope for salvation and freedom. Today is not just Reformation Day. Today, in a very true sense, is your declaration of independence. Not from God, but from all sin and its consequences forever and ever. So lift up your voice and shout, I am free. Even to turn off the lights. (laughs) Free indeed. Free at last. Please stand.